Uh, my name is Dustin. I'm on staff here at Elevation, and uh, we're just so glad that you decided to join us this Sunday morning to hear a word from God. And uh, before I get started, I just want to take a moment and just say how grateful I am for our pastors. So I just want to say, Pastor Daniel, Pastor Gretchen, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your investment in this church. I thank you for the privilege of sharing this message. But even beyond that, I just want to say, man, I really appreciate all that you've invested in me so that I could actually be able to do something like this today. So today we're continuing on with our series called Realignment. And we've been in this series for the past five weeks, and today is week six of this series. And for the past several weeks, we've had a variety of different communicators and speakers. And, and just for me watching that, it's been amazing. I, I think it's actually been some of the best messages I've ever heard, some of the strongest content I've ever heard. And so I just encourage you, if you've missed any of the messages in this series, to go back to the Elevation app and check those out. It will bless you, it will encourage you, it will help you. And so today, I just simply want to build upon that foundation, and we're looking at Ephesians chapter 5. And as I was studying through this chapter, one of the things that really stood out to me is this contrast between the light and the dark. But it got me thinking in my own life, and it's something I wanted to even propose to you, is what was one of the darkest times in your life? One of the times in your life where you just felt surrounded by troubles. And for some of us, it's 2020 is that year. It's the year we've just felt like troubles have come out of the woodwork. We are surrounded by them. We can't get away from them. And it's been tough for me too, but the, the year I think about is not this year. I think about back when I was 16 years old. One of the darkest times of my life. It, it was a time where my parents had gotten a divorce. And as you can imagine, that divorce led to all kinds of problems at home. Not just for me, but for my family. And so at home, there were problems. But then whenever I'd go to school, there were also problems. You didn't know me at, at, when I was 16 years old. And thank God for that. Like, seriously. If you would have met me at 16 years old, I couldn't have looked you in the eyes and had a conversation with you to save my life. I was hyper introverted. I was really shy. And so whenever I was at school, I was prime target for the kids to mess with, particularly in high school gym class. It was the worst. So to begin with, not only was I introverted, but I was not athletic at all. Now look, I've gotten better since then, but at that point, there was no hope. There was no hope for me to be athletic. And so even one of the people in my gym class nicknamed me athlete because I was the antithesis of an athlete. So every day it was terrible. Like, I don't plan on ever being in hell, but my idea of it is this perpetual high school gym class that never ends, and you're just surrounded by teenage boys giving you a hard time the rest of your life. So there were problems at school, there were problems at home, and then on top of that, I was in this deep depression throughout the ages of 16 and 17, and I couldn't pull myself out of it. And because of all the stresses and all the pressure, I discovered that I was also epileptic and had a couple of pretty significant seizures. I just felt like I was surrounded by problems. And my 16-year-old self didn't exactly know what to do about any of those problems. 
And so my response to that was to literally come home every day from school and step out of reality and to create this fantasy world for myself. And I would actually daydream after I got home from school every day. And in this daydream, I had superpowers. And it was the same kind of scenario, just a little bit different every day, where my classmates needed saving, and it was my job to save them. And I know that's like the saddest thing you've ever heard, but it was my solution to the problem because life was so hard that it was easier just to disengage altogether. And even like there's this part of me that in that daydream, it's like I had the ability to do something about the problems I was experiencing. And so I would do that for every day throughout the age of 16. I was literally sleepwalking through life just to survive. And I know that 2020 has been a hard year for all of us. And I know that you've experienced all kinds of problems throughout the course of this year. And I just kind of wonder, how are you coping with that? How are you handling that? Are you just trying to escape reality? Are you able to kind of face it and stare it down for what it is? And in those moments that you feel tempted to escape reality, what does that look like for you? Because I doubt it's a daydream. But for you, maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's you throwing yourself into a relationship. Maybe for you, it's none of those things, but it's you binge-watching as many shows you can on as many different streaming platforms as you can sign up for. Or maybe it's not that, but maybe you just completely shut off from the news. You completely shut off from social media because you just can't handle it anymore. How are you coping with the troubles that we feel surrounded by in life today? Because when life gets hard, when the world grows dark, there is this temptation to check out altogether, to run away from the problems rather than dealing with them. And the big overarching question I have for each one of us today is this. What do you do when you're surrounded by the struggle? What do you do when you are surrounded by the struggle? The Apostle Paul, I think, has some answers for that. And I think he has some guidance for us as we answer that question. And it's found in Ephesians 5. And he starts in Ephesians 5 verse 1 by saying this. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So he comes out of the gate and he says, imitate God. And my thought is, that is a tall order. I am, I am a human being and he is a deity. How do I imitate God? Well, the beautiful news is that he gave us Jesus. Jesus is the representation, the human representation of what it looks like to imitate God. It's almost like Jesus is our older brother that shows us the way to actually look and talk and live like God. And so we look at his example, and what does it say that he, what does the scripture tells us that he did? It says that he lived a life filled with love. But see, love is one of those words in our world that's overused. So I love fantasy football. I love Thai food. But I don't love either one of those things the same way that I love people. But it's the same word we use for everything. So what does it mean to actually live lives of love according to Jesus' example? And even in context of the struggles that we're dealing with today. 
I think what we can discover is that love refuses to sleepwalk through the struggle. Love refuses to check out. Love refuses to just numb itself to the problems in our world. Love keeps doing the next right thing, even when the world gets darker and nothing seems to change as a result. And the reason I think this is because in Ephesians 2, we're told that Jesus loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice. So we got to go way back to Genesis 3. And in Genesis 3, God encountered a major problem. And that major problem was that Adam and Eve chose to rebel against him, to do their own thing, to sin against God. And that began the fall of humanity. Humanity encountered a huge problem at that point. And so what was God going to do about that problem? Was he just going to ignore it? Was he going to just turn a blind eye to it? Was he just going to start over? No. He stepped down into the problem through the person of Jesus Christ. He entered right into the middle of humanity's nightmare to do something about it. Love was not just an emotion he felt for people. Love compelled him to step down into the mess and do something about it. And so each one of us has a circle and a sphere of influence. And I know we don't always believe that. But there are friends, family, co-workers in your life that need you to enter into the struggle, that need you to engage the conversation. There are people in your life that need you to wrestle with the issues, to read, to learn, and to press in. Because we can't just be ignorant to the stuff going on in our world anymore and then just hope it's going to go away because it's not. It'll continue to come back up again and again. And we might as well just face it down now. Love refuses to sleepwalk through the struggle. And Paul exhorts us in Ephesians 5 verse 14. He says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. We've got to wake up. Awake, O sleeper. We can't sleepwalk through life. We have to engage reality for what it is, as bad as it is. And look, sometimes it looks really bad. But through living lives of love, through imitating God and following Christ's example, we help to shape and form a new reality. What do you do when you're surrounded by the struggle? First, we live lives of love, and love refuses to sleepwalk through the struggle. But then second, we live as people of light. So we pick up in Ephesians 5, verse 7, where Paul tells us, Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this, right, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness, but instead expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. So what Paul is not saying in this passage is that we were in the darkness. He's actually saying we were full of it. We were filled to the brim with darkness. And in other translations, he says you were darkness. 
But the good news is, is he also says you are now light. You are not just in the light. The light is in you. We have a new identity. We are not what we once were. And it's essential that we know who we are. We have to know what our new identity is. And we've been talking about that over the course of this series. And in week one, Pastor Daniel talked about how we are not just sinners saved by grace. We're saints. But then in addition to that, we have a privileged position as sons and daughters of God. We have access to God. The same privileges that Jesus has, we have as a result of being sons and daughters of God. And then Pastor Tony and David, they, they talked extensively about how we are masterpieces of God. And that's our series verse. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, Paul tells us that we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are new, created anew in Christ Jesus with a new identity. And I would just like to add one piece to that identity. You are light. You are no longer darkness. You are the light. And if we don't know who we are, or maybe you never even knew who you were, then it's hard to do the good things that he planned for us to do. It's hard to shine light into the darkness when you don't actually know that you're light. And, and not only that, but when Christians lose sight of who they are, they start to behave in ways that are not fitting of them. They're not fitting of a Christian anymore. And so they behave in ways that they're even strange and weird for a Christian to do. And it, and it makes me think about my brother. So I have two younger brothers, and I'm not going to say which brother this is about, but one of my younger brothers, uh, he would sleepwalk on a regular basis. It's not weird. Most people, there's a lot of people who sleepwalk, but he did something weird when he would sleepwalk. At some point during the course of him sleepwalking, he inevitably would, would come to the trash can and then use the bathroom in the trash can. It's gross. And I know every one of you like, that's disgusting. But here's, here's the thing, is when Christians live in a way that is inconsistent with their new nature, when they do things just going through the motions, just sleepwalking through life, and they act in ways that are, that are strange for a Christian to act, it is gross to God. God's not cool with it because he's called us to live differently. He's called us to behave differently. And one of the things that I've noticed in our culture, one example of this, and I know you've seen it as well, is that in our culture, people are going after each other. Some of the harshest social media posts I have ever seen in my life, profanity-laced, attacking people, going after people. And there's a part of me that when I see these posts, I'm thinking, what did that accomplish? Who did you convince with that? Because everyone who already agreed with you agreed with you by liking it, and everyone who disagreed with you still disagrees with you. What did it do except allowing you to vent your frustration? We're going after each other. And not even like face-to-face, -face, but in personal. We're going after each other by believing the worst about each other. Someone that you would consider a brother or sister. Someone you would have said you loved. Now we go after them. 
Now we say harsh things about them. And never to them. It's always to someone else. This behavior is not becoming of someone who is light. And the reason we do it is because we just we are convinced that we're right. But here's the thing is, I'm not always supposed to be right, but I am always supposed to be light. There are plenty of times I'm wrong. I know, I know you're shocked, like pick yourselves off the ground. There are times I am wrong, but I'm not supposed to be right all the time. But I'm always supposed to be true to who I am, and who I am in Christ is light. And look, here's the thing is, Paul does say in this passage, he says, have nothing to do with these worthless deeds of evil and darkness, but instead expose them. So he does say expose these deeds of darkness. But here's the thing. that Before that, he says, the light within you produces only what is good and right and true. I can't expose the darkness in other people's lives if I don't have light in my own. I better be sure that I have light that I am cultivating in my own life if I'm going to try to help someone else. And so then I have to ask myself the question, like, if that's true, then I can't just, I can't see where everyone else is wrong, but where am I wrong? Because I can't effectively shine light into the struggle until Christ has shined light into my heart. Light and darkness cannot coexist. They're opposites. And so I am not going to effectively shine light into the struggle until Christ has shined light into my heart. And so the question I have to ask myself is, where are the worthless deeds and evil intentions in my heart? And we don't gloss over that. We don't say, well, I don't have any, or no, I'm good. Or No, no, no. Come face to face with the darkness in your own heart. Because we all have it. The question is, is are we dealing with it? Are we allowing Christ to shine his light upon it? Because if we'll start with us, then we can help others way more effectively. And the truth is, is if we'll deal with our own darkness first, we may even show other people more mercy and more grace as a result. So what do you do when you're surrounded by the struggle? First, as we live lives of love, then we live as people of light. But then the third thing that Paul exhorts us to do is to live like those who are wise. And so we pick up in Ephesians 5 verse 15. And Paul says, so be careful how you live. That sentence alone would change your life if you kept it at the forefront of your mind every day. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, i.e. don't sleepwalk through life, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul calls us to live as those who are wise. And what does it look like to bring wisdom into the struggles and the problems of life? Well, I would say it's this. I would say that solutions to the struggle are found in the Scriptures, the Spirit, and in song. 
Solutions to the struggle are found in the scriptures, the spirit, and in song. And so in our culture, one of the things that I've seen that drives me nuts is this concept of just tell your truth. This is my truth, and I've got to share my truth. How did truth become beholden to people? Last time I checked, truth was consistent from person to person to person. Truth was consistent in the past. It is consistent in the present, and it will be consistent in the future. I love truth because you can build upon it. You can bank on it. You can depend upon it. Truth is not beholden to people. It's not your truth. It's the truth. Your truth is just your opinion. My truth is just what I think. I had an epiphany one day and somehow it's my truth. We don't need my truth in the world. We need the truth in the world because the truth of God is going to be the very thing that brings solutions to the problems we are experiencing. And Paul says earlier, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And then earlier he says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. How do we do that? How do we hear from God? Because that's what we need. We need to hear from God so we can know how we can please Him, so we can know how we can carefully do all that He wants us to do. How do we hear His voice? Through the Scriptures, through the Spirit, and in song. And so when I think about the Scriptures, um, reading the Scriptures is something that needs to happen daily. Not just occasionally, not just once in a while, but like every day in the Word, reading the Scriptures. Because the Scriptures are the primary way that God speaks to us. The primary way that we can know what His voice sounds like. And so it doesn't even matter how long you read. It doesn't matter how much you read. It doesn't even particularly matter where you read. It just matters that you do it. That you read, that you engage, that you press in. And look, the Scriptures can be hard to read. So if you need to read a translation that's easy to read, start with the NLT, the New Living Translation. It, just start with any book of the Bible. Start with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just pick one and start reading. Because if you will do it consistently, you will begin to hear the voice of God. Over the past several months, I know that it's been a really difficult time. And it's been a difficult time for me as well. There are times whenever I have felt very lost, very lonely. There are times whenever I, I felt like I'm in this wilderness season. But here's what's been beautiful about all this time. I have been in the Word of God, reading the Scriptures every day. And I don't say that to brag. The reason I say that is because God has been speaking even through a dry time. He's consistently speaking. And the way that He speaks is not audibly, it's through encouragement. It's through correction. It's through guidance. I love God's word because he's always speaking. The question is, will we take the time to hear his voice? So we need to press into the scriptures, but then also we press into the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is essential for any believer's life if you want to be able to discern what's going on around you, if you want to be able to hear what God is saying. We have to press into the Holy Spirit. And look, the Holy Spirit is not weird. The Holy Spirit is one member of the Trinity. There's God the Father, there's Jesus the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit, which is a guide and counselor. 
the Holy Spirit is essential to trying to make sense of all the information we have in the world. The, the Holy Spirit helps us to discern things. And don't we need more discernment right now? We are surrounded by, by information. And half the time, I don't even know what information to believe. I don't know what information I should really subscribe to, where I should go to to get the information. Half the time, I don't even know what's real. And I'm sure you've felt the same way. And the question is, is how do we discern what God is saying in the midst of all this information? Because we don't need more information. We need, we need the right information. And the Holy Spirit of God allows us to get past all the noise and to see what's real and to hear what's real. The Holy Spirit allows us to wake up and to see what's real in any situation we're in. So we need the Scriptures. We need the Spirit of God. But then also, Paul makes this appeal around singing. And uh, he actually phrases it this way. He says, singing hymns and spiritual songs to each other. And in another translation, he says, speaking to one another in song. And all I have to say is, please don't ever, ever, ever speak to me in song. Don't sing to me. Don't speak to me in songs. I, I hate musicals. I tried sitting through Les Mis in the theater and fell asleep. It makes me so uncomfortable, the idea of someone speaking to me in a song. Like, again, I don't plan on being in hell, but my idea of hell is this perpetual high school gym class where all the students sing to each other, and then there's just spiders everywhere. I want no part of people singing to me. But I don't necessarily know if that's what Paul is saying. I think what he's saying is that worship is essential. Worship is mission critical. Matter of fact, he even quotes a worship song in this passage. In Ephesians 5.14, he says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead. And that passage is from a worship song from his time. Worship for Paul was essential. It was mission critical to surviving the struggle, to pressing through the struggle, to solving the struggles of life. And so for him, like, this was not an easy season of life. Like, if we go back to the context of the book of Ephesians, Paul was imprisoned. Paul was actually imprisoned three different times. He loved to get thrown in prison. He probably didn't love it, but he definitely got thrown in there a lot. And in this time, just like, let's not super spiritualize Paul. Let's let him be human for a second. This is a guy who had given his life to starting churches, investing in pastors, discipling people, and all the while making tents. He was a tent maker. So he was working nonstop to advance the kingdom of God. And then all of a sudden, he gets thrown in prison. And just imagine his first thoughts. Like, how do I keep doing ministry from a jail? How does this continue to move forward when I'm in prison? And I even imagine for many of us, just the idea of going back to church online is like, how do we keep doing the mission of God from home? when we can't gather together. And I even imagine some people, there's this lamenting, like, do we really have to do this again? But here's the thing is that Paul's time in prison wasn't a stoppage of the ministry. Paul's time in, in prison was 
the ministry. And we find a picture of what that ministry looked like in the book of Acts, verse 16, or chapter 16, verse 25. It says, Around midnight, Paul and his friend Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. He was worshiping. At midnight, the darkest time, he was worshiping God and praising God. And here's the beautiful thing is, the other prisoners were listening. His worship had an impact on the people around him. His faith had an impact on the people around him. His faith was contagious because he led many of those prisoners to faith. He even led some of the jailers to faith. He even led some of the people in Caesar's household to faith. It wasn't a stoppage of the ministry. It was the ministry. He wrote so many books of the New Testament from prison. We don't even have all of them. We lost some of the letters he wrote while he was in prison. He was still investing in churches, investing in pastors, discipling people from prison. He kept worshiping his way through the darkness. And that worship was so powerful because sometimes when we always see is our struggles, all we see are the problems. We don't know that we're doing this, but inevitably what we're doing is we are exalting our problems above Jesus. And when we choose to worship Jesus, what happens is we place those struggles back down on the ground and we lift Jesus back up to his rightful place above the problems, above the struggles. That's why it's such a solution to the struggles is because when we worship, we put Jesus back in his rightful place and we choose to have faith. We choose to lift our own hearts out of the pit and choose to trust that this is not the end. This is not a stoppage of what God is doing. It is what God is doing. And maybe God wants to bring something amazing out of this time, something that couldn't have happened any other way. Worship is mission critical in this time because the light of God through the Holy Spirit lives in you and goes with you wherever you go. And so on your street corner, in your house, around the circle of influence you have, you can shine brightly the light of Jesus the church is not just the church when it gathers together. It's the church even when it scatters throughout the week. You are the light of Christ right where you are at. And this is the ministry that God has called us to. Who in your life in this season could you lead to faith in Christ? You are deputized as those who can lead people to Christ. Why not? There are people in your life that you could lead to give their lives to the greatest thing that they could ever experience in their life, the thing that would change them forever. You could be the light that brightens up the world right where you're at. It's not confined to 316 Gravoy. The light of God goes with you. So we choose to keep shining. We choose to keep being faithful because the truth is, is I know that this year has seemed so many times like the darkness has won. But the reality is, is the darkness can only win if the people of light allow it to win.
darkness loses to light no contest every time and you don't believe me then just go into a dark room and flip on the switch immediately the darkness has to run for the corners because the light puts it in its place the light is powerful the light is transformative the light is strong you don't have to doubt it the light of God wins every time the question is not, is the light strong? The question is, will we do our parts to shine in this world? Will we contribute to the darkness or will we shine brightly the light of Jesus in this world? Back in Ephesians 5, verse 16, Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. And when you tease out some of that language, what he's actually saying is, redeem the time. Redeem the time. Redeem 2020. We got to wake up. Wake up, O oh sleeper, and redeem the time. No more sleepwalking. No more just going through the motions. No more lamenting what a terrible year this is. We could sit around making memes about how terrible 2020 is for the rest of our days, or we can engage. We can engage the mission of God that is at work right now. The mission hasn't stopped. This is the mission. But will we shine the light of God right where we're at? Will we push back the powers of darkness right where we're at? Because the darkness only wins if the light allows it to win. Hate only wins if we refuse to live lives of love. And foolishness only reigns if those who are wise choose to be quiet. We have to press in. We have to shine as brightly as we possibly can, love as much as we possibly can, and push back as much darkness as we possibly can. Don't check out. Wake up, O oh sleeper. Wake up and engage because God is working. God is at work. We can't move on to 2021. We still have work to do in 2020. I know it's been rough, but we have to redeem the time. There is plenty left to do. What if 2020 didn't have to be the worst year of all time since the beginning of all civilization? What if 2020 was the year that we found ourselves again? That we as Christians experienced realignment around what it means to actually be a Christian. That we find out just how real Jesus is to us. Just how real our faith is to us. That it's not real whenever we gather on Sunday. It's not just real whenever things are going well, but it's real when we go through the darkness of life. What if this was the year that Christians actually started to live like Christians again? That they actually started to imitate God. They actually started to follow Christ's example. And you actually saw a more beautiful picture of what Christ really is, who He is, through His people. Romans 8, 37, Paul tells us this. He says, no, despite all these things, despite the racism in our world, despite all of the division over masks and division over our political affiliations, despite the pandemic that we've been dealing with. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. What if 2020 was just simply preparation for the victories that are to come in the years ahead of us? No more sleepwalking. 
We have to wake up and engage and press into what God is doing right here, right now, in this season. Let's pray. God, I thank you that even when it seems like the darkness is won, that you still hold victory in your hands. Thank you that even when we go through dark seasons of time, that we don't walk through the valley of the shadow of death alone because you go with us. We don't have to be afraid. And so we won't be. We won't be afraid, Lord, because we trust in you. We hope in you. We know that your light is greater than the darkness in our world. And so today, would you just increase our faith? Would you increase our faith today, Lord? Wherever the people are struggling to believe, would you increase their faith? We do believe, Lord, but would you help our unbelief? God, would you allow the light of God to shine brightly through us? Would you stoke the fires? Would you, would you cause the light to, to shine brightly in each one of us so that we can affect the world around us? That we can make the world brighter, not darker. We want to reflect you well. We want to imitate God well. We want to follow your example, Jesus, well. Would you help us to do that? And where our hearts are feeling discouraged, where our hope is feeling low, would you lift us back up? And would you put a song in our mouths, a song in our hearts, a worship song that allows us to proclaim our faith in you, even when we're struggling to believe it? We love you for who you are, God. And I know some of you online, as we continue on in an attitude of prayer, I've been talking a lot about imitating God, following Christ's example, and some of you are thinking, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus yet. And I just want you to know that if that's true, I'm so glad that you've decided to watch and tune in and be a part of this today. Because today could be the first day of the rest of your life, of the greatest adventure of your life. And even though you're not here in person, you can accept Jesus into your heart just as real as if you were. And so the scripture tells us that if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be a new creation. You can put off all the old stuff. You can say goodbye to all of the past and you can embrace a brighter future. And so if you would like that today, I just encourage you to pray this prayer with me. And so just pray this and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm a sinner. Save me. Forgive me. Be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your spirit so I can know you, serve you, and follow you. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, amen. If you made a decision for Christ today, I just want you to know that all of heaven is celebrating with you today. This is a joyous day. This is an amazing day for you one that you will always treasure. And so I just encourage you, if you made a decision, that you would leave us a comment in the chat, that you would send us an email to hello at elevationstl.com. Because one, we want to celebrate with you. This is a big deal. 
but then also we know you may have some questions about how to move forward in this relationship with Christ. And we just want to send you some information that'll help you to take those next steps. And then lastly, this is a part in our service where we want to give back to the God who gave everything for us. It is, it is no obligation to give to God. It is a privilege and a joy. And so if you would love to participate in that privilege today, there are a variety of ways that you can give digitally. And one of the ways you can go to our app, you can go to our website at elevationstl.com. But the easiest way is just for you to send us a text message. You can send Elevation FM Give to 77977 and we'll get you started on the process. So I encourage you to give generously to God. Give from a heart of joy, not from a heart of obligation. And I just want to say thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us. God, I just pray your blessing over your people. I pray that you would provide for all their needs. I pray that you would be tangible and real in each one of their lives and that you would shower them with blessing and joy and encouragement. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week.